Italian Wine Podcast. Chin Chin with Italian Wine People. Hello, my name is Monty Walden. I'm with writer Ian Daggeter, the world's greatest specialist on Italian wine grapes. We're going to talk about Prosecco, which everybody knows is a very famous sparkling wine. But it's made from a grape with a strange name called Galera. Can you explain what the difference between Galera and Prosecco is, please, Ian? Oh, yeah, sure. It's very much like Barolo. Barolo is a wine, and the grape is Nebbiolo. It's the same thing with... In fact, if you think of Burgundy, everybody talks about red Burgundy, but it's made with a Pinot Noir grape, or Bordeaux is made with a blend of the Cabernets and Merlot. Same thing with Prosecco. It's a wine made with a grape called Galera that has historically always grown in this part of Veneto that's located mainly around the town of Treviso, which is a beautiful town. If anybody's ever been to Italy and hasn't been to Treviso yet, I heartily recommend a vacation there because it's it's very much a little Venice. It's on canals, and it's absolutely beautiful. What about the link with uh, the region of Friuli, where there is a town called Prosecco, is that is that going to further add to the confusion, or can you sort that one out for us? Yeah, no, it does. There's no doubt. I think that um, the problem that Italy was facing years ago was that Prosecco had become such a brand name that people were making Prosecco wines everywhere in Germany and Slovenia and Australia. And it got to the point where the Italians felt they needed to protect this wine in which they had invested in so much money over the years. And so they decided the best thing to do was to revert to one of the original names of the grapes, which was Glera, and to use Prosecco as a wine of denomination. And of course, by European law, when you have a denomination, then other people aren't allowed to use that name anymore. So in so doing, which some people have criticized as being sort of a too clever act on the part of the Italians, and the Italians have made it hard for anybody else to use the word Prosecco. And so Prosecco is now the name of an Italian wine made with a grape called Galera, which can in fact grow elsewhere, but it's a grape. The wine is Prosecco, and Prosecco is Italian. Yeah, but it's fair enough that Italy wants to protect its uh, Prosecco baby, right? Well, I don't think that's uh, a bad totally. thing to do, yeah? Uh, no, I think it's fair. I mean, The champagne I mean, producers have done the same thing. You can only make oh, champagne totally. in champagne, right? Totally. So. Pe- people forget that uh, champagne even got uh, a company like Christian Dior to change the name of his perfume. Dior came out with about well, 20 years ago with a perfume called uh, Champagne, and champagne people were able to, to get that repealed. So it's, it's only fair. I mean, Italy has invested money and time and energy in creating a world-famous wine uh, like Prosecco. And of course, everybody and their sister now want to bank on that and want to cash in on that. And you can make a case that it would be unfair for them to do that. So I'm totally okay with this. Okay, the next question. Obviously, most white wine is sort of still. How does Prosecco get its fizz? Prosecco is one of these sparkling wines made with what is called a Charmat method. Charmat is a Frenchman who actually copyrighted a method invented by an Italian called Martinotti. And what they do is they just put huge amounts of of wine into pressure cookers, what they call autoclaves, and uh, they add a certain amount of sugar and yeast to the wine. The yeasts, all they do is they eat sugar. When they eat sugar, they produce alcohol and carbon dioxide. I always say that they, um, it's a bit rude if I can say this, when the yeast eat the sugar, they shit alcohol and fart carbon dioxide. (laughs) Is that technically correct? (laughs) It's very well put. It's the only way I can think of explaining it. Sorry, folks. (laughs) No, I'm going to steal that from you. I think it's a cool way of putting it. People understand. (laughs) Don't play this track to your mum. Sorry. (laughs) No, no. And so it's an easy way to make bubbly wines, which is completely different from making champagne-type wines where this process occurs within the bottle. But it's still like a silken. So champagne gets its fizz whilst it's in a closed bottle, and and Prosecco gets its fizz whilst it's closed in, in a bigger tank. It's the same exact process. The process is called fermentation. 
and fermentation by definition is the transformation of sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide you can have fermentation occur in a bottle and that would be in the champagne or traditional or classic method of bubbly making or you can have it occur in an autoclave i just want to make one one thing i just want to say one thing which is very important when i explain this in this manner it becomes almost automatic to think well these people are making a gazillion liters of wine and pressure cookers it's got to be cheaper than the stuff made in, in the bottle cheaper in a sense that it's less expensive because clearly you have less manpower hours required and you've got bigger volumes made but in fact it is not and this is key it is not that one method is better than the other because what we've seen even from scientific studies and just tasting away that there are some great varieties that for some reason this is not clear perform better with a different method and galera for whatever reason is a grape that really exudes its charms when it's treated with a sherma dash martinotti method and there are people who try to make galera wines by refermentation in the bottle they're becoming actually very popular but i'm not totally sure that really serves galera best the wines are of course very interesting and good but they're less charming and less fun what is the difference between a galera fermented like a champagne is it does it taste more yeasty more bready more buttery whereas a galera fermented just in the tank tastes uh, sort of green fruit flavor that's totally true i mean the main thing is that when you ferment it in the bottle you lose what i think is the greatest thing about glera wines and that is this amazing peachy apple vanilla sort of note a really good prosecco is an explosion of white peach tangerine and white flowers it's really unforgettable plus it's got a very nice creamy mouthfeel a bad prosecco is easy to recognize because it's thin and tart and that is really the the opposite of what a great prosecco should be when you treat prosecco with the and you turn it into a, a more serious wine shall we say by refermentation in the bottle it becomes more austere it becomes tighter it becomes leaner and it just is not as much fun you said that uh, prosecco is a, a grape that historically was always highly regarded yet we often think of prosecco now as, as quotes cheap and cheerful mm-hmm. are we going wrong no i mean i think it's just you know times change society changes historically prosecco wines were actually always a blend of different grapes in the veneto area they use galera of course but they actually use other varieties called boschera called perera called bianchetta trevigiana and verdizo and each one of these varieties added a little something for example verdizo adds a perfume and the perera adds body over the centuries, we've gotten rid of some of these varieties because they are maybe protective, but they're not so qualitative. And so now we make Prosecco mainly from the Galera grape variety. But the fact is, it is still today a great, great wine. And that is why centuries ago they thought it was a great, great wine. It's just that nowadays we live in a society whereby if something doesn't cost $84 a bottle, it's not great and it's not serious. And instead, a wine that costs 5 or $6 can be fantastic. And people who know me will know that I'm a champion of things like Grignolino and Malvasia di Castelnuovo Don Bosco. Wines are absolutely fantastic and they cost 6 or $7 a bottle. I'm a huge fan of Silvaner. Everybody wants Riesling and I love Riesling. Don't get me wrong. But a great Silvaner is a thing of beauty. A great Mueller Thurgau is a great of beauty, is a thing of beauty. And I don't see why Prosecco can't be a thing of beauty. In fact, when it's a Cartizze, it's even more than a thing of beauty. <laughs> so what does that mean, Cartizze? What is it, a place, a, a style or what? Well, Cartizze is 106 hectares, right around Treviso. It's a special Grand Cru. It is the Grand Cru of Cartizze. And believe it or not, folks, it is the 
single most expensive piece of vineyard land in Italy. One hectare of Cartizze will cost you more than one hectare of Brunello di Montalcino and more than one hectare of Barolo, and it's impossible to buy. So it's all virtual because you might have the money to buy an hectare of Cartizze and nobody will sell it to you. So it's really a unique, unique area, 106 hectares, very small. The wine that comes from that site is richer, deeper, longer than all the other Proseccos. It's also sweeter because the Cartizze Hill, very well exposed, lots of sun, the grapes ripen, so there's always a bit of residual sugar. Most of those Proseccos are going to be labeled as dry, which actually is confusing because they're semi-sweet wines. And Cartizze is the best Prosecco out there. You said in your book that the Galera grape, which makes Prosecco, is not very pest-resistant in the vineyard. Is that the reason why we don't see many organic or biodynamic Prosecco wines? Yeah, I, I think that's certainly part of it. Part of it is true because it's just going to make things more difficult for everybody and because I think some producers, not all, want to make huge volumes with, with Glera grapes and therefore aren't too interested in, in applying biodynamic or organic principles to large swaths of land. But in truth, if truth be told, it's also true that this sort of uh, eco-friendly agriculture has only really reached Italy in the last 15 years or so and now people are becoming much more interested and you see that some of the very best Brunellos are made in this manner and I, that's still not actually true of Barolo because you rarely talk about Barolo in these terms but it's inevitable that it will happen and I think it's inevitable that it will happen with Prosecco as well. A lot of people will have heard of the Bellini cocktail. What role does Prosecco play in that and what is a Bellini cocktail? It's the main player. I always tell people if you have a Bellini cocktail anywhere in the world and they serve you something that looks orange then you're not drinking a real Bellini because Bellini is basically a mix of peach juice, freshly squeezed peach juice and Prosecco. It's not made with champagne, it's not made with uh, Altalanga, it's not made with uh, any other sparkling wine but Prosecco has this amazing note of white peach and therefore a true Bellini cocktail as invented by Arrigo Cipriani, the owner of Harry's Bar in Venice, is parts of white peach juice, white peach juice, and of Prosecco, because the two mesh very well together. So a great Prosecco, a great Bellini is actually pale, a creamy white, creamy off yellow in color. It's not orange at all. Great. Well, let's wrap this interview up, because um, I think we can go and have a Bellini cocktail, uh, and you can make it. I'll have two. <laughs> Thanks, Ian, for coming in, for telling us about uh, the Glera grape, which makes the Prosecco sparkling wine. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you much. Follow us at Italian Wine Podcast on Facebook.